Hey everybody, welcome back to Elevated Office Podcast. My name is Eric McGrew and today we're going to be talking about a few aspects of arborist tree climbing rope that some people don't think about and hopefully this will help you guys make better selections in your rope choices for climbing. All right, so here's the deal. Rope for the arborist industry is a unique and developed rope for the arborist industry due to varying factors. It does differ in many ways, not not extreme ways many times, but in many ways from those that would be used in rope access work for tower, rope access work for building maintenance and window cleaning and things like that, rope rescue at high angle, and also for recreational rope um, for like rock climbing, canyoneering, different things like that. One of the bigger factors that I've noticed with the uh, arborist rope is, well, there's kind of two really. One is that the sizes are a little bit larger because um, it seems that it has a key role to play in the kilonewton factors for what ANSI requires for life safety. And also um, our unique uses of them on different aspects of uh, natural crotch um, movement for a moving rope system, the dynamics of what we do for SRT or SRS climbing. And if you're not familiar with MRS, then that would also be DDRT, that kind of stuff. Of course, then there's the whole rigging side of it. And the rigging side of it has to do with the kind of blocks and different things that we use, the um, friction rings and different things such as that, but as well as the use of it for running across natural crotch uh, use, which has to do with the friction that it, it comes in contact with, with the bark and different things like that. So within that, though, there's plenty of options for us to choose what rope we might want to use. There's a ton of options. Some of them are a little bit more dynamic, even though none of the ropes that we really use in the um, arborist world would really be considered a dynamic rope. So they're not going to elongate. They're not going to stretch and uh, absorb that fall nearly as aggressively as some of the ropes for like uh, rock climbing might or canyoneering or something like that might. Um, then we typically don't have ropes that are fully, fully static as a general rule that might be used in like canyoneering or rope access for certain kinds of uh, commercial work or whatever. So we kind of live in this world of semi-dynamic, semi-static, and um, that's kind of where we're at. There, I, I don't know, and I could be wrong. I'm not claiming to know at all. I don't claim to be an expert, so please understand that. I'm just giving some perspectives on what I've learned over the years that um, – we don't really have the the extremes of rope in the sense of dynamic and, and static that some of the other industries and um, things might have. Now, one thing to keep in mind as well is that many of the like rope rescue, rope access, um, recreational climbing uh, components and hardware – use ropes that are different diameters than what we use. For instance, a lot of the um, rope rescue and recreational climbing stuff tends to be like, from what I can tell, 11 millimeter and lower down to around like eight and a half millimeter or something like that. Um, maybe eight millimeter. I'm not super familiar with all that. So that would be, you know, gris and different components like that. And we uh, might use some lanyard ropes, for instance, the uh, 
Tri-Tech that I use, the Samson Tri-Tech that I like to use for my lanyards are 10 millimeter, I want to say. And um, that has a difference to play in how things, you know, what componentry you can use or what mechanical devices you can use in your rope. So one thing to definitely keep in mind is what are the mechanical rope diameter restraints that something might have. And if you're just set on using that device, or maybe you've spent a lot of money on it and that's the device you have, or you spent a lot of time with it, you know that device well, then you might want to consider that rope. So that's something, or, or a rope, I should say, that fits that device. That's what I mean by that. So that's something to keep in mind. Another thing to keep in mind is that the tighter the weave of a rope is and the more, as a general rule, static it's going to be, the um, the rope tends often to not hold knots nearly as well. So it's not that they can't hold a knot. It's not that you can't use them with a knot, but they're not going to be maybe as tightly fit of a knot. So once you get it all um, tied up and then you get it all uh, dressed and set, you you might notice that like on a bowline, the cinch around it that holds your tail in to make it the final loop might not be quite as tight on Scandiri, for instance, as it might be on like Blue Moon. And I'm going to talk about these couple of ropes a little bit because I know them pretty well. Um, I, I Adrenaline, for instance, works pretty well, but it also doesn't flex and tie as well as like Blue Moon, in my opinion. Um, I've also used uh, Cam 3 Max, which is a good rope, has a lot of good wear, pro, uh, you know, um, abilities and things like that. But once again, it's a stiff rope. And so like where we should always use, always use backup knots, I find that they just don't make me feel as secure with some of those ropes without backup knots as they would um, with other ropes. And the, the key point to this is going to be that it could be harder to tie a knot. So if you're beginning um, in tying and different things like that, it, it might be a little uh, feel like the knot is slightly unfinished or whatnot, but it's actually finished. It's just not the rope can't bend and break over in radiuses that tightly. So it might not feel as refined as the knots that you'll make in a softer and more supple rope. At the same time though, those ropes will definitely fill other purposes and work better in other aspects than some ropes that are more supple and soft. For instance, um, when I'm running mechanical devices on cam three max the rope tends to hold its shape a little bit better you tend to have less issue with the device um flattening the rope and creating like a creeping sensation in the device where it starts to slowly move down the rope while you're supposed to be stalled and and the device is supposed to be fully open for uh, holding you with a cam three max or scandiri versus like the um, 24 strand versions of yell like blue moon poison moon calamine um what used to be poison ivy um poison hivy all those different things which i think a lot of those are gone um but it those ropes tend to once the bollards of a mechanical device run across those ropes they tend to get a more flattened um profile and what your rope device was set at 
might not hold you quite as well once you've gone up and down that rope a few times as it did originally, initially when you went up and down the first time. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. So those are all things to keep in mind. Um, there's there's going to be differences uh, that you just have to keep in mind as well. I'm very sensitive as a person to the feel of things. Um, there are just certain sensory overloads that I can't handle. And so the the actual physical touch and feel of a rope is a big deal to me. And not only in my hands, I usually wear gloves and stuff, so not only in my hands, but how easily I can grip it. So the diameter of the rope is important to me. Also, it's important to me as to how I feel the rope run through a device. And I've heard some people call me crazy for that. That's fine. Um, it's just a reality with me. Some people don't think about it. They don't know. Um, it doesn't matter to them, and that's fine. But if you are a person that thinks about that, then you need to kind of consider what's um, going to be more value-oriented to you in in your preference for a rope because the smoother and tighter woven ropes definitely have some benefits. But um, I... You may not prefer the feel of those personally, but like one of my favorite ropes has been the Yale 24 strands and I can actually feel it move through the devices a little bit more because it's not quite as woven or tightly woven as some other ropes like um, Cam 3 Max, for instance, or um, or Scandiri. But I find like Scandiri to be considerably more bouncy when I'm climbing the rope. And therefore, it creates a situation that, for me, I prefer to use less. Um, I don't hate the ropes by any means. And some of it is just getting used to what you're using. They, You just need to kind of, um, if you can, try to climb on somebody else. If you know a friend that's got rope that's different than yours, try climbing on it. See what you think about it. Um, and, and see what you like and what you don't like and figure out what's worth owning and what's not. Now, in my case, I have varying ropes of different styles because of the uh, different aspects of climbing that I do. For instance, I have a Ronin and the electric Ronin device, which I know some people love and some people hate. And um, I might talk about that in the future. But the Ronin requires certain ropes to run through it or it doesn't work well. One of the approved ropes to work through it that works pretty well is going to be your Cam 3 Max. And so I have a couple of Cam 3 Max ropes at different lengths that I use specifically and only for the Ronin. Um, and that's a different scenario because now the device is a, a different device than like a Rope Runner Pro or an Akimbo or whatever. And with that being said, 
what occurs is I don't feel that same texture. I don't, you know, the extra weight of the Ronin and the way that the Ronin climbs keeps it from being as bouncy as like rope walking. And I don't mind it as much. Um, but if I'm actually rope walking up Cam, um, Cam 3 Max, I find it to be kind of bouncy. Now, that all being said, I am a bigger guy. I weigh considerable more than a lot of tree climbers out there. And that alone, that weight moving up and down in a slightly jarring effect is going to have a different result on a rope than if you are a much lighter person. And that's going to be the case also when you're considering ropes that work with different mechanical devices. For instance, how much the Yale 24-strand ropes flatten out going through like the Rope Runner Pro or something like that is going to be very, you know, very different for me than a guy who weighs 130 pounds because there's just more weight on all those bollards. I have to have the bollards adjusted differently. It's just a different scenario. So what works for one person may not work for you at all. Also, the different kinds of cams that are used. Um, I know that some people are really caught up on cams that don't have any teeth on them. And that's fine because cams that have teeth on them for like um, foot ascenders, knee ascenders, whatever, they can technically pick your rope and things. I haven't had a ton of problems with that. My favorite foot ascender that I use is the CT Quick Step, and then I use the Haas Velix, and I've had great success with those on all the ropes I use. Never had any major problems with them. I have seen them get picked and tufted at times. But that to me isn't a big issue for my ropes. Now, if a rope becomes too tufted, which some ropes can, and the looser weave a rope has, the more likely tufts can occur from multiple scenarios, then it can become more annoying when you're using a device or a prusik because as it runs across those tufts, it might catch, stall you, or it, you'll just feel it through the device. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Try to try to figure out what is actually going to occur, what your preferences and feel are. And if you're new and you don't know, you may just have to find different ropes and try them. And um, to save some money, if you're really testing out for ropes for the first time ever, Try buying shorter hanks of rope and testing them out instead of spending tons of money on one rope. So, for instance, instead of buying a 150-foot rope, maybe buy two um, 60-foot ropes and just use them as like recreational climbing ropes at lower heights. That way you can test them and then spend your lump sum of money on one rope once you've decided between the two which you want. It's more expensive overall. But it will help you. Well, it's more expensive up front because now you've spent $120 to find the rope that you want. Now you have $120 spent in another rope that's the right size for your tree climbing career. But the $60 that you spent on those other two ropes don't have to be wasted. We can talk about that in the future, though. But it's better to have one rope you feel the most comfortable with. It distracts you less in the tree. It helps you make it helps make your working environment more controlled and less mentally taxing. Uh, and and sometimes it helps you have a less physically taxing job when you have the right rope that you prefer to use. And that's super important important in my opinion when it comes to tree climbing. So there's a few other factors to keep in mind as well that uh, I 
you know, some people don't think about this. They don't care about it. Um, depending on what kind of equipment you're using, what kind of devices you use and different things like that, you may or may not want to use certain kinds of rope because they're going to react differently with certain things. So for instance, if you're using like, um, friction savers of some sort, and that can be anything. So you could have a friction saver that is a pulley. You could have a friction saver that is the, you know, adjustable or standard friction savers, which is a smaller and larger ring. And then therefore your rope's going to run differently. You could be natural crotch climbing more. You could be SRT climbing or SRS climbing. So now you don't have the moving rope system, but you have to pull the rope through trees um, to set them just like any rope. And all of this could have an effect on what kind of rope might be the better choice for you. So out here in Colorado, we use, um, we climb a lot of trees that have very tight and narrow crotches with kind of luggy bark, elm trees, Siberian elm is really common. Big plains cottonwoods are very common. Narrow leaf cottonwoods are pretty common, that kind of stuff. So when we have this, um, you know, the 24 strand ropes that I have where they work really well and I really like them, but they are a slightly like more open weave than like a cam three max would be or Scandiri and, um, or Scandir or however you say it. And with that being the case, they can have a buildup of friction when trying to get them through narrower crotches or crotches that have large branch bark ridges or whatever. And some people have just told me, I can't stand using these ropes in this because of the friction that builds up in them. And that's fine. That's their preference. It doesn't bother me that bad, but it definitely is more noticeable to pull like, um, my calamine through than it is to pull the cam three max through because the cam three max and Scandir and, um, different things like that. And even my Kern master has a different feel from both the calamine or blue moon or whatever. And, the Scandir or Cam3 Max because they're all different levels of weave, different quantities of strand, um, and that all makes a, a, a difference. I also had for a while here Samson Hot Wire that was half inch. Um, that wasn't my preferred rope, uh, but it it worked and it was a very supple and soft rope with a much more open weave. And I found it got picked quite a bit when I was in um, certain situations where the edge of bark was, you know, prominently exposed and the rope would like not only get stuck, but it would tear fiber and, and pick. And so for me, it wasn't the kind of rope. And I fought it a lot trying to get it through um, different areas. And at the same time, I know people who love that rope and that's fine. I'm not trying to, in this episode, I'm not trying to talk about what ropes you should or should not use. I'm talking about ropes that are in the various categories that I've had experience with so far. And what I've noticed that occurs that some people just simply, when they talk to me about rope, they haven't thought about. And and that's what the point of this conversation is in, in this podcast episode. So keep in mind that the more open the rope is and it's fiber and things, the more supple it is in the hand as a general rule. Um, but the more likely it is to pick, the harder it can be for friction. The more a rope flattens out, the more surface area that you have across things when you pull and whatnot. So if you're if you're in like MRS, the more that rope flattens out, whether it be in a device such as a friction saver on a pulley 
or in, in, on bark, it's going to have more friction and it's going to create a different sensation than a rope that's stiffer, that doesn't flat out, flatten out quite as much. And, um, the, the breakover radius is going to be different too. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into all this that you, you might want to consider. Another couple of things to consider about the ropes when you're looking at choosing a rope is going to be how it knots and different things. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, some people just like the feel of how one rope knots over another. The more supple the rope is in your hand, the tighter the knots will get. That's something to consider. The the stiffer and more static the rope is, the the harder they are to tie knots in and the more you might need to back them up for security um, so that they don't come undone. So there's that factor. And then there's just the whole, um, you know, will that rope be able to be spliced or does it have to be stitched? And this particularly has come into play for me when I do run moving rope system for like uh, removals or a large section of tree that I have to limb walk for for um, pruning and things. And I want to I want to use a moving rope system versus SRS. It's just a preference that I might have in certain circumstances. And the ability to splice a, a rope does make a difference versus stitching. Because on my friction savers with the rings, the small ring on an 11.7 rope like a calamine, the stitched eye has a hard time going through the, um, I'm sorry, not on a cal- on adrenal line, the um, s- s- stitched eye has a hard time getting through the ring, the small ring. Um, and if I was running a line that was bigger in diameter and it had a stitch die, it probably wouldn't go through at all. So that's something to, to kind of keep in mind. Whereas a splice die, like on my Calamine goes through no problem and it's much narrower and it's in, in the throat of the, um, splice. Um, and it works with almost no impediment. Um, the good thing about having a stitched eye on some ropes that go through that small ring, they barely fit through. And then when you pull them back through, you don't really need a retrieval ball or anything because they work on their own. Um, I would say that I have found putting an accessory carabiner on the stitched eyes is good in case it gets stuck enough to where the, um, the adjustable friction saver gets stuck enough to where the spliced eye, I'm sorry the stitched eye does actually pull through the the small ring in the rare occasion that 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 occurs the small accessory beaner clipped through the eye does a lot to help you not lose your adjustable friction saver and have to reclimb the tree even though that has happened a couple of times to me um and in in different scenarios and different situations it has to be managed so these are things that you want to kind of keep in mind and and want to look at but another aspect to all this that a lot of people don't really know and and once again you have to understand i'm i'm pretty particular i'm pretty sensitive to feels of things like how does fiber fill in my hand and things like that. And, and evidently that's due to the ADHD issues that I have. Um, I find that like between blue moon calamine. Um, so I, I started climbing on, um, poison Ivy and then I went to blue moon 
And I noticed instantly that Blue Moon was stiffer than Poison Ivy. And the retailer that sold it to me said, oh, it's the same rope. And technically, it is the same rope, just so you know. The, the weave, the makeup, everything, the components, all the, all the fabrics and the strands that they use are the exact same. However, what changes is the chemical reaction between the dyes and the stranding that is used in the rope. And if you talk to manufacturers, they will tell you that is a legit and real thing. Now, it doesn't make the rope less safe. It just has a different feel in your hand. For me... The Poison Ivy was way more soft and supple. See, Calamine to me is way more soft and supple. Poison Moon is even more soft and supple in my hand than Blue Moon is. So it does affect to some degree. And if you're not that big on textures, if you don't notice that kind of stuff that much, you probably won't notice at all and it probably won't matter. But if you are susceptible and very alert to those kinds of things, keep in mind that the kind of rope you buy even though it's the same um, family of rope, like 24 strand or whatever, the colors of the dyes may adjust how that rope works and feels in certain devices and in your hands, how it feels in your hands and different things. So I, I don't ever recommend somebody that is under the, um, under those kinds of normal, considerations of how you like how things feel if they are if that's a particular um concern to you then definitely maybe buy some scrap of rope and see how it feels a little bit play with it a little bit before you go buy a huge you know 200 foot or 150 foot length of rope if you don't like it then you you don't want to have it and that's a waste of money and you'll never sell it for what you paid for it as a general rule. So I just recommend that, you know, you guys kind of keep that in mind and try to figure out what the best rope is. Keeping in mind that splicing options versus stitching options are important. How the rope feels in its different color variations is important. The dynamic versus you know, more dynamic versus more static is an important aspect of it. Of course, diameter, what diameter is that rope available in? And is that even something that's going to work for your devices that you own or will it work well? So that's another real quick thing that I want to talk to. And this is where things get a little bit funky. And I get kind of personally annoyed is that like, um, so for instance, Let's take um, two devices that I've used for a long time that I, I understand very well and another device that I use for a while that I don't particularly like but definitely has a key factor to play in these decisions. So I have used the ZigZag and the Xeon or Zillin, however you want to call it. It's appropriately called the Xeon um, for a while. And I've also owned – the first device I ever owned was the Unicender, okay? And – um these are particularly of interest to me when it comes to rope because they are not adjustable in their sizing or bollard adjustments like the uh, Kimbo is or the Rope Runner Pro is. And so therefore, when you buy a rope, um, it will affect how it runs through that device depending on the diameter of that rope. 
The other factors would also be of play. So the more static it is and the larger it is, or the less static it is and the smaller it is, all might have effects on how well this device, one of these devices might work with you. So I made the mistake when I first got into tree climbing to grab a unicender and a 13 millimeter rope. The reason I did this was because I bought a climbing kit. And the climbing kit was really set up from the vendor to be a Prusik moving rope system kit, which is why it was hot wire, 13 millimeter. And I was messing with that a little bit. And then I wanted to try the mechanicals and I grabbed the unicender. Now, the unicender, just like the, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Petzl zigzag all state that they can run 11 to 13 millimeter ropes, which is not a lie. That is absolutely correct. However, what I have found over the years is that the way these devices are really designed to work best is that they're bollards and they're chain like so the the zigzag chain, right, which is made up of a whole bunch of little bollards that have a trigger on them is made to wear with time because metal being rubbed on rope does create friction and that friction creates wear. And the way that these devices work best, and the same occurs with the the unicender, is that the friction devices will wear and open up. So let's say that you put in a 11 millimeter rope into the zigzag, it runs, Eventually, it will get worn out and it will no longer fully hold your weight on the 11 millimeter rope because your device has had wear occur and it's opened up. The idea here is that you could put like an 11.7 rope in there after having run 11 millimeter and now, or 11 and a half or whatever, now the device will continue to work just as efficiently as it did when you put your 11 millimeter in there. Because even though the keys have worn out and the different things have worn out, the next size up is big enough to fill that void and the friction is appropriately matched once again. And as the 11.7 or 11 and a half wears through those um, components of the device, then you could put like a 12 millimeter, a 12.2, a 12.5, whatever in there, and you would get more life out of that device. And then eventually you'd go up to a 13 millimeter and that would continue to work through all those stages, which means that you could have many years of use out of a device, but you would have to continue to change rope diameter to continue to have it work without having the device replaced or rebuilt. Okay. I hope that makes sense what I'm saying. The challenge that I've run into though, is that if you buy a device, like I bought that unicender and I had a 13 millimeter rope and true, the 13 millimeter rope did fit. It was a hard fit. You had to really cram it in the device, but it did fit, but it didn't run super smooth. It wasn't until later somebody introduced me to an 11.7 rope that I ran through it and instantly the device was a different feel altogether. Why? Because the keys were in their tightest format when I was trying to use it with 13 millimeter because the device was brand new. 
and it was really crowding those keys. So it had a lot more friction. It worked just totally differently. And um, even though learning to use it with an 11.7 didn't change my opinion on the Unisender, it's just not the device I like. It's That's a personal preference. Um, it did help me. It did illustrate very clear to me that these devices like that are really designed, okay, we need to start off with like an 11.7 or an 11.5 or an 11.2 or whatever rope. And then we need to move up to the next size up and then the next size up and then, you know, to its max as it wears and those keys become more open or those components get more, uh, more aggressive grooving in them so that it'll continue to work for a long period of time. So just remember, if you like a specific rope, um, you may have to change devices sooner rather than later. Uh, if you don't find something else that you like in a larger diameter, I don't pertur- I don't particularly like the feel of of ropes that are over eleven seven. So I just don't run them. Um, I will replace my devices way before I'll buy a rope I don't like. So in that case, it's a preference thing. I would prefer to spend. You're either spending money on new rope to fill that need that's a larger diameter and keep the same device or you're spending that money on a new device and keeping the rope that you already prefer. And so that's just something to keep in mind. Right. And then there's also the aspect of, um, like midline attachable devices versus non midline attachable devices. And that determines whether you can have dual splice eyes or dual stitched eyes, or if you can only have one, I learned a long time ago for me, Particularly, I don't care as long as I'm in the 11 to 11.7 range whether a rope is spliced or stitched. It really doesn't make much difference to me. It is true that a stitched eye has more potential of getting caught up in areas um, on bark and different things because of the fold over of the rope and it not being tucked back into itself. Um, but that I don't have too many issues with that. Um, it, it, that what does matter is that I pretty much only ever get rope with an eye on one end and then I use them accordingly. So if I'm going to run moving rope system, you're going to have to feed your rope all the way through your zigzag, for instance, which is what I typically use. And that will, um, I, I can't have an eye on that end or I can't get the rope to feed. Um, but if I'm going to climb on that rope and I'm going to climb, uh, SRS climbing and I hardly ever use a zigzag for that, um, I'm going to just use the eye side of the rope as the base anchor and I'm going to use, you know, the akimbo or the, uh, rope runner or uh, tie on a prusik with a tether and a rope wrench of sorts to the to wherever I need to be and I'm going to use the side that's not the eye uh, as my tail and the climb side. So it's just um working with the ropes that you have. There's no perfect solution for every option. It's just figuring out which pros of a rope work best for you and which cons you can avoid and that way you can make a decision and get the overall best for your options. Um hope this episode he- helps you guys out a little bit. Please know that um, there are options to subscribe to this uh, podcast uh, for monthly subscriptions. That being said, you get extra episodes that will never be released or that are released before 
they come out to the public for free. And also um, know that I have another podcast that I've just started, which is called Authentic Eric M. And it's not specifically about tree service work. It's just about interesting business tactics, interesting um, scientific things that I've, I've learned about questions that I found interesting and researched on and some personal opinions and musings. And maybe you'll find that interesting. I don't know. So if you want to, you can go check out Authentic Eric M. Podcast. And also don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast here for extra content that uh, may never be released and some of it that's just released early, but will eventually be released. So thanks everybody for stopping by. Glad to have you as my um, listeners. Thanks for all the support over the years and I will see you guys in the next one. Take care.